but we've got approximately 200 horses in our care. Trying to find the right answers and not just following what was done in the past because yeah. if Sen followed what was done in the past in the nutrition world, then I don't think we would <laughs> exist today. You know, our main, you know, our three main purposes are education, rehabilitation and advocacy. Welcome everyone to episode 105 of the Sen Nutrition Podcast. You're with your host, Brian, today. And today's podcast is called Rescue Horse Care and Nutrition, Project Hope Horse Welfare Victoria. And I am joined by Renee Neubauer, the Vice President of Project Hope. And we're here to discuss everything about horse welfare and management. So there's a very interesting statistic that we touch on about why horses are surrendered. And as Project Hope is an organisation, and being a registered charity, how they are structured in what they do and how they do it with the rescued horses. Also, how they have become part of SEN's ambassadorship program and the way SEN is linking in with Project Hope to raise more awareness about rescue horses. So how are you, Renee? I'm really good, thanks, Brian, and um, certainly welcome the opportunity to um, talk about nutrition and horse welfare with you. I'm so excited to have you on and We've got a, a nice long-standing relationship in terms of you having success on the Send feed and supplements, but also this wonderful charity that, that we've been made aware of in Victoria particularly. And up here in Queensland, we, we didn't know much about Project Hope in the sense that they have been pretty major impact on the horse landscape in Victoria in terms of helping and rescuing horses. And I'm, I'm so glad to have you here today and thank you for your time. And Renee, I'll just let you introduce yourself first as the sure. Vice President. Um, I've been with Project Hope Horse Welfare Victoria almost 23 years. Um, the organisation itself started back in 1976 and um, it was with a lady called Val Collingwood. And coincidentally, she was from Wallen, Victoria. And guess where I live? Wallen. Um, which, yeah, it was pretty, pretty incredible. But um, she came across a really neglected horse that was um, supposedly very aged, but in fact, he was only three. Unfortunately, he died from a massive worm infestation. And um, Val wrote into Writer's Magazine uh, to show the, the story of what she had come across. And she was really wanting to um, proceed to start up a group called Project Hope. Uh, the horse was named Hope. So, um, yeah, that's where it began, was from um, a horse that died. The lady called it Hope. And then uh, in 1993, um, our organisation became a registered incorporation and changed its name to Project Hope Horse Welfare Victoria. And then in 2005, we became a registered charity and obtained gift deduction status from the ATO. No, that's fantastic, Renee. I when when we first linked up, I was actually blown away at how long your ch the charity has been going for and the amount of members you have. How many um, active members do you have at the moment? Uh, we've got approximately just around four hundred and sixty financial members uh, with Project Hope. And many of those are long-term members like myself that just keep supporting them year in and year out. So, um, yeah, we'd obviously like to grow that base a little bit more. But, yeah, 450 financial members, um, which, is, which is pretty good. 
And in terms of horses in our care, we've got approximately, I'm sorry to say approximate because um, our database changes daily with um, the ones that we are surrendered, but we've got approximately 200 horses in our care. We've got 19 horses that are in our short-term care. That means that they've just come into the organisation and they're going through a complete rehab management, both physically and on their nutrition level as well. So it's it's a it's a, a lot of horses and a lot of people to manage, but we've been going for nearly 50 years, so we're doing something right. That's simply amazing. Um, even for your whole existence, it'd be more than a, th- a few thousand horses saved or rescued to better homes, you'd say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the impact that we make, um, and it's not just on the ones that are surrendered into our organisation because, you know, a big part of our um, volunteer work is actually educating and helping people to have them keep their horse in their possession. Um, Obviously, there are some situations where the horse has to come out immediately because of, you know, health issues, and that can be for the horse or for the owner. But certainly our first attempt is to educate the person and to assist that person to change things for the horse's environment. Yeah, as we can see in the horse industry landscape, not only in Victoria but all other states, horse welfare is is very at the forefront in a lot of industries. At Sen, we're involved in many horse industries, including the racing industry, and Mm -hmm. it's nice to see some of those governing bodies restructuring some of that prize money that the horses earn into the the off the track or, or those sort of programs but where you guys come in is probably further down that that way or that chain yeah. if you can say that yeah I, I would definitely say we're sort of at the bottom end of the um, horse industry because we have to deal with the fallout of a lot of you know horses and bad situations but you know what we aim um, in our work is to work with the five domains, and that is nutrition, environmental, health, and mental state of that horse. So we need to be able to follow the international best practices to ensure that we're giving the right support to to the horse. And, um, you know, with Vic Racing, uh, they also lend us a helping hand with certain programs that if horses are off the track and they fall onto hard times and we end up with them, uh, they certainly uh, do help and advise and give some support to us as well, which is great. And that's been, you know, a collaborative um, venture that's taken a few years to grow, but there's a really good uh, respect and trust both ways with um, Vic Racing and ourselves, which is good. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. Like the the times are changing in terms of we're looking at horses not – only just ending their career and and that's it. They've, they've got a future life beyond that. They are useful for many areas. What um, what do you see, say we, we look at the, uh, an off-the-track thoroughbred, do you see a lot rehomed into other different disciplines? Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, we've actually, we've actually got one ourselves um, here at our, at our property. Uh, we've had actually two. And, um, yeah, there, there are certainly a lot more, uh, disciplines that they can go into. But, you know, a, a lot of what we get, unfortunately, Brian, um, do fall into a paddock companion. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but, um, we, 
we do have quite a lot of um, equestrians that do require that companion to their horse and a, one from Project Hope Horse Welfare really fits the bill nicely. Yeah, and what I do love about your story and your organisation is it's that whole rounded care. It's not just you've got the horse, here you go, do your best with it. You, you want to help that member or the owner understand the nutrition, the, the management and everything that involves in keeping that horse in the best possible condition. And as you said, some of them are in some of the worst conditions of their lives and that's why they've they've come to you guys. Is there a particular protocol you guys follow for, for the difficult ones? We, we get notified by a community member um, that obviously comes across a horse that they think needs help and that's how the first interaction starts from there. A case is um, raised for that horse and one of our trained reps will go out and um, do their own investigation. And um, we are very successful because, you know, we don't wear badges. We are just volunteers that go out and try and help people and horses. And we educate and negotiate for the best outcome for that horse. And quite often, Brian, it is for that horse to be surrendered to our organisation and um, from there it goes into a short-term care process and that can be anywhere from, you know, four weeks to a year for some of our horses to stay in short-term care depending on their, um, uh, you know, their, their health and also their age because, um, you know, we, we do get some really young ones and they go out into our growing up program. Um, so, you know, those ones are really long-term when we get, um, you know, foals or, or, or weanlings. Um, so they, they take on a whole different aspect with our group completely that go on for years. Yeah, and probably my next question is how do you choose your members or do they, do they have to pass um, some, a knowledge test or, or something with their, with their horse care? General members... Um, we we aren't at all critical. Anyone can join up and be a member, but our horse reps that will go out and do these um, on on site calls, they go through training. We have um, quite a rigorous training program that we run. Um, I would say nearly three or four times a year, and we get our members that are interested to do this frontline work, and I will almost say we are first responders for um, these situations. So you've got to be aware of you know their safety as much as the horse and the owner that you're talking with. So we go through quite a stringent um, education process for our reps so that they are fully equipped to go out there and handle it. We always go in twos and we also do a lot of refresher courses along the way. And look, some people at the end of the training might say, no, I can't do this. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, But we do have literally all four corners of our state of Victoria um, covered with our reps, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And how many members do you have? We have approximately 450. 460 um, financial members. Okay. You know, they help us uh, with when we run events. I mean, Equitana was, you know, a, a big one to do for the organisation. And we do rely upon our members to come out and help us at events. So as well as doing fundraising, 
So we do require, um, yeah, we, 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 we do need a lot of new members to come through because some of them get burnt out pretty quick because it's a lot of work. Yeah, just the sheer scale and how you describe how sort of that protocol is and, and getting the rescued horse into the right um, environment in that short care program, then determining to go on to its new home. Um, it's, it would be a lot of work in that sense organizing everything yes, we yeah it, it is quite a process and that's why we have we have three meetings a month uh, within the executive committee and the general committee and that's broken up into three different types of meetings that we have you know for governance um, for the horses and then our general committee so we're very structured in how we operate and keep track on um, the horses and also, you know, we, we need to understand what the major causes of our horse reports and surrenders are. And it was interesting um, just collating all the figures from the last financial year that the largest percentage of horse reports and surrenders was from deceased owners, from deceased estates. Oh, wow. That's yeah, that's what I thought too. I, I went, oh, wow, too, because... Before it used to be mostly, you know, um, re- you know, retired racehorses, whether that's from, you know, harness or or, or gallop. Yeah. But um, yeah, the and there seems to be quite a trend that that is going to continue for quite some time. And whether that's got something to do with the, you know, um, the development and the suburban sprawl out into rural areas. You know, lots are getting broken up. You can't keep your horses there anymore and they get sold off to developers. But um, deceased owners is actually the largest part of our volunteer work. But also another thing that's changed in the last year is that that like nearly 20% of our cases involve horses of five or more. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it is. And that's... And that's a real um, that's a real struggle to cope with because generally we used to get maybe one or two as a case, um, but now um, yeah, it's actually seventeen percent of our um, causes of horse reports and surrender is horses five or more. Yeah, gee, you learn something new every day because I, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked the deceased as yeah deceased no. owner as as a re, like as one of the main reasons above. The racing industries. And, um, yeah, I I guess, you know, that's got a lot to say for, you know, people planning their estates and what happens with their animals when they go. And, um, but, yeah, that's certainly, as I said, it's an area that I think is going to continue for for quite some time and it's a growing trend. And, yeah, with our last year's, because we keep data on absolutely everything, Um, you know, right down to domestic violence. That is yeah, well. another cause of why we have horses um, reported and surrendered to us, as is mental health and owners aged over the age of 75. Wow, that's so interesting. And yeah. I, th- I think the reasonings as that urban sprawl, like the land value of these particular places um, where the there are horses and the, and the city yeah. does encroach on it. Um, it must be too resisting to the to the family that's yeah. left to not continue yeah, with the horses. Unfortunately, yeah, they, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yes. And yeah. you know, it's it's not it's not uncommon that they get to a point where they don't even bother to consult with any welfare um, agency. They just wow. have the horses picked up and taken to the knackery. 
yeah, and you, you just can't control sometimes that. No, mindset. you can't. And um, no, and we're just so grateful that you guys are around um, to pick up the pieces um, and and try and give these horses a, a happy and, and loving home that they deserve. Yeah, and yeah, well. You know, our main, you know, our three main purposes are education, rehabilitation and advocacy because, you know, we're quite strong on the advocacy as well because a lot of our work has um, got to do with submissions to improve equine welfare laws. Uh, we recently put in um, for the Victorian plan, which was for the new um, protection laws, which will change um, POCTA. Yeah, which is great because that actually now recognises sentience for animals, which is great. Oh, nice. um, yeah, which is good. And also um, for the Animal Welfare Task Group, we were involved with that uh, to help change um, some of the policies of land transport of livestock. Um, so, yeah, we do quite a lot um, on the advocacy side, uh, which is really important to, you know, look at different policies and legislation within the framework of government. So um, that's yeah, another big part of it, as is um, we recently joined the Emergency Incident Management Network. Um, so that's to assist, you know, large animals that need rescuing. That's another issue as well. It's amazing work you guys do. And when I was alerted to the fact that how big, your impact has on horse welfare in Victoria. I spoke to our team in the office and I said, we, we right. have to become involved. And Renee, you gave me all the information. We digested it and we said, how can SEN help your organisation in some capacity or another, not only monetary, but also helping members understand how to feed or have our nutrition advice offered in the hope that the foundations of, of how people feed are according to the physiology and I think I might touch on this if, if this is the first time you've listened to the Send Nutrition podcast as we started it's over 100 episodes old and what we try and do as a nutrition company is not only educate our listeners on nutrition but the whole body systems and a whole holistic approach to a horse so including that environment the training the management and teach the proper foundations to help limit the need of extra SARPs or medications and then just help simplify the diets of all horses so that they feel good according to their their body systems so we looked at what we could do and we we offered the project hope organization to become part of our ambassadorship program and the aim was to help give back like not just say hey swap to our products and that but if you were feeding a supplement and we had a similar supplement on the in the range you could easily look into it and even reach out and we'll try and help you integrate that but we're very grateful to team up with an organization that has been running for nearly 50 years has made a huge impact and it's just a feel-good initiative to help better the lives of as many horses as possible that have been put into difficult situation so we, we can't thank you enough Renee for reaching out in that initial initial steps well it was um it was a bit of a bit of a no-brainer from my end because I had been using send products um previously on our own horses and um it was just timely that we ended up taking in a um a, a new little surrender and that's when I uh, went over and spoke to you guys at the stand and asked for help. And, um, yeah, I, I guess the rest is history and how you've just explained that, 
you have come out to support us uh, with the ambassadorship. And in our history, we've never had um, a horse nutritional company or feed company do this for us. So we are blown away and very grateful for the opportunity to, um, yeah, to tick the box for um, being your ambassador for the product. Yeah, we, thank we, you. Yeah, we can't thank you enough for the opportunity. And, and it's that support that we hope to offer and keep it growing so we can impact and help out in as many ways, not just monetary. And Renee, yeah. I think you made a, a good impact on us and especially Peter because I think he <laughs> he actually said this line that you said to us at Equitana oh, yeah. <laughs> in the podcast. And you described Sen as it doesn't only take away the stress from the horse's guts, but it de-stresses the owner too. Yes. by having a happier horse. And Peter loved it. I think we said it in one of the episodes previously, but it's right. it, it rings true. It's what we want to try to achieve with Sen. We want to have a simplified feeding program that has an impact on the horse's health. Yeah. And we know that feeding according to physiology works. So what does that mean? The horse has a microbiome that has quadrillion, like that's millions and millions and millions of microbes that live there and they thrive off fibre. So mm. centering around our nutrition, around the gut health, the, mm-hmm. the connection to all body systems involves the gut, including the brain, which can influence behaviour, anxiety, the way the horse copes with stress, and even their yep. ability to learn and comprehend can be influenced by the health of their gut health and the microbiome. And send nutrition with our feeding program centers around this. And we've been doing it since 2014. We're Australian made and owned. We know recently some of the biggest players in the industry, in the feed industry, have been bought out. And we're mm. staying close to our roots. We're family owned and run. And we want that whole holistic approach to feeding horses the right way. And that's even not even promoting our products at the start. We want yes. people to choose the right amount of hay or pasture or roughage yeah. to ensure that natural digestive physiology is met with the horse and then we build it up from there. And Renee, you have a perfect example of this in the form of a horse named Ollie. Yeah, he liked to think he was a horse. He was only a mini. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah he, cert- he certainly acted like a horse. He didn't act like a little seven and a half hand miniature. But, um, yeah, Ollie was um, one that was um, really threw a lot of curveballs at me uh, when we first got him. Uh, he was that badly emaciated um, that there was, there was no fat left in his body whatsoever. Like the vet has never seen a horse or yeah, that badly emaciated where there was, there was no fat. He was starting to break down. Um, wow. So it was a really, yeah, it was a... A really intense, um, yeah, critical care unit here for about a month and a half with with Ollie. And the thing that it really appealed to me the most is how Sen really loves to have the gut and the brain and everything together. And it certainly suited our criteria because we, you know, we firmly believe, you know, fibre is the the best thing to put through a horse's gut. That's how they've been able to survive, you know, for thousands and thousands of years out in the wild. Um, they don't rely upon, um, you know, usually um, food given to them or grain. So, yeah, love your philosophy behind it. And look, with Ollie, because he did present with a lot of um, issues and it wasn't just his guts, it was his skin, 
it was his teeth. He had a lot of underlying health issues. I think he sent me his blood uh, results as well, and they were not in... Yes. They were very messed up. Really messed up. Um, And, you know, the the vet looked at them and said, well, I really don't know how this is going to go with him, but, you know, we we can only try. And um, obviously, you know, the first thing was to gently introduce, you know, um, fibre into his gut because he hadn't had any for a long, 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 long time. So um, we started off with really small amounts with your um, lupin pellet. Yep, and that's that high fibre lupin pellet. It's I think it's around thirty percent right. yeah. fibre, and the best thing is that it's homegrown in Western Australia or Australian oh. grown from the farmers and. Brilliant. Yeah, sold all over Victoria. And, yeah, that, that's been a staple in, in many diets, including Ollie's. Yeah, well, and particularly, you know, for the aged and the neglected, um, like, you know, being able to soak that product was fabulous because he had a number of teeth. Uh, his back teeth were missing, and that then caused his um, teeth from his upper jaw to grow down and, he had holes in his jaw down to his bone. So eating was painful for him and we believe that was the main reason why he lost so much condition because it was just so painful for him. But with with the Senlupin pellets, which we could soak and we could put a lot of what we needed to get into him, initially was an absolute game changer. And then obviously we incorporated other things into his diet once his um, guts were churning over because for the first for the first four days I think he only had he only had like three or four manures that was it wow. that was it we thought yeah that's re- really bad but then as his guts started churning I mean I was so excited to go out there at like three o'clock in the morning and you know find two manure piles instead of one or none so I knew as soon as his you know, his output was um, improving. Things were starting to happen in his guts. So that was a really, really cool thing to have happen. Yeah, and the fibre started working in his gut, which is what you want to promote after being, I think he would, would have been starved of fibre before that stage. Yes. Uh, I think you also added the Sen Extra Balance, which is the lipobiotics yes. and digestive yes. support. Yes, did. Mm. Yes, did did that and, you know, stepped in um, the other products as as we went and obviously uh, with the extra balance um, as well as the Sen Oil, um, that Sen Oil, that really made him bloom and blossom. Yeah, not only is it high in omega-3, it gives that extra calories without the sugar and starch. So it's Correct. And I think you saw a dramatic improvement in such a short period of time. Yeah, we we, we did. And um, yeah, I, you know, I really diarized it and photographed it over the the, the time frame that I had him. And yeah, it it, it was dramatic. And as you say, with um, the oil, we were able to get that energy into him. And that just snowballed into him becoming more and more of being able to go out and, um, you know, on a lead, um, then start picking at grass. He hadn't picked on grass, I don't think, for, for over a year. Or maybe longer, um, and that was a real joy to to watch him eat grass. Once we got his teeth, you know, um, sorted out as well. But then he just started, yeah, he just started champing along, and 
in the end, um, little Ollie had free range for our property. He would come up and visit us in the Alfresco area, and then he'd Amazing. say, "Well, no, it's time. It's 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 time for my lunch. I better go back to the stables." And oh, he he was on such a routine. He knew exactly what was going on. And um, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I would have loved to have kept him here, but mm. our fencing isn't set up for miniatures. Oh, he he would just go in and out of every paddock and visit all the other horses, and then come. Later in the afternoon, he walks up the hill and puts himself in the stable. <laughs> and, and, for our listeners, and for our listeners that would like to see that progression, I'll, I'll link one of the posts that Renee did of the of the documentation of Ollie and, and the turnaround in his condition and the skin condition. Uh, he had yes. pretty severe rain scald. Um, yes, he did. Yeah, he and did. as yep. we know, the, the gut environment, of the horse, 70% of the immune system resides in there. So getting that gut health right will have a big impact on the immune system. Getting that fiber from the send lupin pellet, the send extra balance, the oil all plays a role in helping that immune system regulate itself. And as Renee has described, it is a, an amazing turnaround for Ollie. And where does he reside now? Gone on to his, um, what we call our long-term carer, um, his, his home, and uh, he has moved up to the Wood End area of Victoria, and he has found himself an absolute wonderful home that is set up in the Paddock Paradise um, system, which will suit him down to a T. Plus, he's also a really good mate of um, another little pony there. He's about nine hands, um, and unfortunately, his little um, pal had passed away, so this person was looking for a companion for her her little pony and Ollie and him have just buddied up as best friends and they spend their days hanging out together, grooming each other and, so yeah, good. having having a great – it is a great story. It really is a good story. Yeah, and the success stories probably keep you guys motivated. Not that you, you need the motivation, but it just helps drive the whole organisation to, to keep – Sure. Um, bringing in the unfortunate horses or yes. to try and find the unfortunate horses and give them a better life. Yeah. And look, some, sometimes a better life for some horses, Brian, is euthanasia. Yeah. Um, I know Being it's realistic. a... Not, not, yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to be realistic. And, um, you know, sometimes that, that that is the best welfare outcome for some horses. And um, it's not one that we ever like to do. And... We don't make those decisions um, ourselves. We always have um, a vet that consults with us to make those decisions because we don't take those ones lightly at all. But sadly, you know, that, that's a part of it. And, you know, even for some horse owners, they've made that decision themselves already, but they can't bring themselves to actually follow through on it. Okay. And that's another um, thing that we do. We will, we will assist and be there for that horse when it is euthanized if the owner can't be there. Yeah, it's so that's another little helping hand that we do as well. We prefer them obviously to stay on property, but some people they can't even cope with the horse being put down on their property. So we have to, as long as they're in a condition that can be transported, they then come to a short-term carer's house. They're given lots of TLC and then, um, yeah, we have to make a, a hard, hard call. But that's, that's the downside of it. It doesn't happen a lot, 
But when it does happen, it does impact. But as you said, all the good stories keep keep people in the organisation to continue and that's why we've been going for 47 years. Yeah, you guys are doing something right. If the organisation has been going for that long and the horse community and the horse community has to be so thankful and grateful for your involvement because, yeah, there's some tough decisions that have to be made. Um, yeah. And when you look at how a horse, obviously how a horse is designed, they're not the most well-designed creatures in terms of their, their body structure um, and what they, they're prone to from mismanagement and the stress of a home that is not suiting them can put yeah. or can play havoc with their whole body systems, including that gut. And um, you guys have to reverse that and then get them yeah. into the best care they can. And no, we're, we're just so very thankful for the work you do. And I'm sure if all the horses could talk, they would just thank your whole organisation because it's such a, a good story, but a very good initiative on top of that because, um, yeah, it's, it's just yeah, we've got we've, we've, we've got a good model now. Um, to, you know, catapult us for the next 50 years. So, um, you know, what we're doing isn't broken, so there's no point fixing anything. We're, we're, we're doing something right most of the time, um, which, which is a good thing. And, you know, as you said, you know, um, putting horses into stressful situations, I think, um, yeah, unless they're living out in the wild on, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres, you know, how they're, how they're wired... Mm. Yeah, fi- finding that balance to, um, you know, and to work in accordance with, you know, the five domains of what a horse needs um, and following best practices. And it comes down to two things with horses. It's management and nutrition. Yep. You know, um, management can be what happens in the paddock, but it also covers, you know, the training aspect of it, uh, which is a whole whole other issue. And that's what we do as well. We actually engage um, professional horse behavioralists to make assessments on our horses as well. That's all part of the short-term care. Yeah, that's simply amazing. And you guys are not taking any shortcuts with it, which really impresses ourselves at Sen. And yeah. even going back to what you said, nutrition and management, I can give our listeners an example of common conditions in horses that actually mirrors what Renee just said. So ulcers in horses are due to two things, either nutrition or management. So if you can get both of those aspects right, you can help lower the risk of ulcers in horses. And that's just one example of a common condition that we come across weekly or daily here at Sen. And we've got nutrition profiles to really help lower that risk. And then it's up to the horse owner to manage that horse properly in their training and their environment because stress plays a part on the causation of ulcers as well. So Mm. it's just that whole holistic view of the horse. We don't just look at one part and and assume that will fix it because there's many different body systems that impact each other. And yeah, you, yeah, you're right there. There's many layers. Yeah. And we're so aligned in our, in our values and, here at Sen, we, we want to continue to support Project Hope as best we can in a good capacity. And I think one one way to do that is to help gain exposure to your organisation and then obviously help get more members involved. Well, that's, that's kind of the key for us to continue is to have, you know, someone like yourself and, well, with Sen, 
giving us a little bit more of a platform to be known because we just quietly normally go about our work and, um, and yeah, just um, hope that we get supported. Um, but now with you guys on board, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a new layer to us to get exposure, but also, you know, hopefully it exposes more of um, the work that we do, but also exposes the, the fact that there still are a lot of horses out there that need that management and need that nutrition attended to correctly. And, and you know, in the perfect world, we would love every horse to be managed and have the right nutrition. But in the, in the meantime, we've just got, we've got to educate people. Yep. You know, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's no different to your own kids. You just got to, you got to educate them. You have to manage them. And you've really got to um, yeah, be a voice and um, advocate for them. Yeah, especially leading by example and having that positive mindset to every aspect of the horse's life and trying to find the right answers and not just following what was done in the past. Because yeah. if Sen followed what was done in the past in the nutrition world, then I don't think we would <laughs> exist today. <laughs> Um, no, I don't. Well, I don't think you and I'd be having a conversation yeah. because, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that 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 wouldn't have worked. And yeah. you know, certainly, and that's one thing. I mean, you know, you've got so many amazing podcasts out there where we're releasing them. You know, one a week out onto our um, public Facebook oh, awesome. page um, yep. for Project Hope Horse Welfare Victoria. Um, so I, you know, we've got basically, you know almost two years of podcast to um, get out there. We can't bombard them um, too much. But, yeah. yeah, like, you know, for certain times of the year, there are some amazing podcasts out there that help horse owners yep. address certain issues. And, um, you know, obviously now uh, with with winter, um, yeah, there's going to be some issues with um, skin and rain scald and hoof conditions and all that sort of thing. So, I'll be pulling some of those podcasts out and putting them up there. Yeah, and, and the aim is for the podcast is to educate but also try to stir some thinking around the horse management. It doesn't necessarily have to align with our products but just look at the theories on ways to help the horse naturally and through nutrition and then yeah. if listeners or members want to reach out to Sen, feel free. We have the office number through the emails no question is a dumb question. We get daily phone calls of people just wanting to pick our brains about certain conditions yeah. their horse may have and solutions that we have found through our products and ways to support that. And by teaming up with Project Hope, we want to give the members especially the education and then show what's in our range that may help or benefit their horse, which is going to help benefit Project Hope at the end of the day as well. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And, you know, I, I think the union together with um, all the advice and knowledge that um, you and Peter have between the two of you, I don't know how many years that would be combined, but I'm sure it would be a lot. <laughs> have you figured it out? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot. We've had oh, the, the diet reviews, like the amount of interaction and also what we pride ourselves on is we don't just stop with our knowledge. Like we're continually looking at the latest journal articles, looking at what is new and innovative for horse health and nutrition because we know in the human space it has changed dramatically in the last 10 mm. years. And mm. if we can try and find better ways to feed or better ingredients or or something that helps a horse 
be better by one or five or ten percent then our job is very satisfying because we know we're helping the lives of as many horses in australia as possible and um even horse owners, as as you said, we yeah. we want you guys. <laughs> it, gets, it gets back yeah. to that, yeah. Take the stress out of the horses' yeah. guts, and it takes the stress out of the owners too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We, we can try and do that nutrition thinking for you guys, so you guys can relax and enjoy your horse in whatever capacity you you want them to be in, in terms of performance or even just around the house. So, yeah. it's a really exciting partnership that we we have, Renee with Project Hope, and we just hope we can continue it way into the future. Well, I I think, you know, there's always going to be a a need around for a welfare group like us, and there's going to be one big need for a nutritional company like Sen to be around for a long time. And, hey, maybe at at the next Equitana in Melbourne, we can have our stand across from each other. That'd be fun. I think um, (laughs) that's a very good seed plant, and I think we will make that happen. It'll be be very good. Yeah, that would be that would be a, a good um, yeah good bounce off I each think, other. I, th- I think with all the little partnerships that Sen has, there might be a whole laneway of um Sen's, oh, be, of like yeah, Sen friends. And, yeah, <laughs> we'll just yeah. make it the the Sen the Sen, Sen Isle. Lane, yeah, Sen Lane. There you go. <laughs> yeah, with Guy McLean, Andrew McLean, Andrew and McLean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, I'm glad you touched on Andrew mm. McLean because um that who we resort to for our behavioural assessment. Um, We do use um, McLean's and both Andrew and his brother, John McLean. So, yes, that's that's the level that we look at for our um, behavioural assessment. So, um, yeah, we're certainly making sure that we're doing everything in accordance with engaging the right people. He's the world expert and I, oh, I'm i like absolutely fascinated every time we talk and especially on that podcast that we we did. It's yeah. one of the most popular yeah. episodes and oh, I, can, I, I think, can understand I think I've even listened to it five times or six times yeah. because it, it just – I just love learning about the horse, the little intricacies and little tips that you can get from oh, understanding incredible. their behaviour and the way that they're, they're made – um, physiology yeah. wise, it's just um, it's just incredible. As you yeah, say. yeah, I think um, yeah, Andrew certainly has shaped my ways of you know um, managing a horse from its you know ability to ha- how the ability is for a horse to learn. And um, yeah, I think yeah, for maybe fifteen, sixteen years, we've always followed his um, his guidelines. Yeah. And um, yeah, which which is great. So Fantastic. it even makes us more aligned. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic resource. And um yeah, I think that about wraps this one up, Renee. I think um awesome. yeah, it's nearly lunchtime. I won't um <laughs> get into any gin jokes at the moment, but um oh, no, it's a little bit early. It is, it is, and it is only Thursday too, so <laughs> Yeah, you've got to wait till tomorrow yeah, to have your gin. <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. But um yeah. no, I th- I can't thank you enough for your time today. Um I can't thank you enough for Project Hope. Horse Welfare of Victoria for having Sen part yeah. of being a member and a supporter and we we can't thank you enough for this opportunity. Well, goes it goes both ways and that's why it works well. So um, let's go for another 50 years, Brian. Yep. Yes, let's do it. And, and I'll leave all the links in the show notes to Project Horse Welfare Victoria, the website, I'll leave a story. Um, yep. I'll leave a few other links for any of our listeners yep. that want to 
deep dive. That and, would be great. Yeah, and don't hesitate to reach out to us anytime, office, phone, email, even to Project yep. Hope if you have any further questions for Renee. Um, Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're, we've, got a, we've got a good team that um, takes care of the 1300 number. So, yeah, no, as, as you said before, you know, no question's a silly question and we'd yeah. rather, um, yeah, try and help people through um, a situation and um, that's what we do. Yeah, perfect. So thank you, Renee. Um, that about wraps this one up, everyone. And we, Yeah, we will have another podcast to you guys really soon and hope you have a good day. Thank you, Brian. Look forward to um, hearing the podcast when it's up. It'll be shared around everywhere. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Brian.